Thank you, Ms. Galusi. Uh, and for all the reasons I think that Dr. Cushing started with, we think it's imperative that we had 100% participation from families. We felt that the data that we collected from this survey would drive uh, all of the logistical planning for the start of school. So all those different categories that Dr. Cushing outlined, we felt we needed data that we could use to sort of drive that planning. Um, so therefore, we felt that we wanted to hit 100% of families. And we knew that if we really wanted to reach 100% of families that uh, we need to think thoughtfully and that just releasing the survey just electronically and hoping that, you know, we had everyone respond uh, obviously wouldn't meet the mark. So I'm going to quickly share just some of the outreach strategies that our team and our, our community, because there's a lot more people involved in this to just a select few uh, that our community used to try to reach all families. And then also just thank uh, some organizations and some people in the community that really helped us how to move this work forward. Uh, to start, uh, electronic distribution, as Ms. Galusi said, this is distributed in five languages. Uh, some of the things that, you know, we can email the MPS families. Uh, two other things I want to highlight in electronic distribution, one being uh, SMS text message to all MPS families. You, you should have received a text message uh, I was from number 67587 asking you to opt in to text messages. So if you did that, you should be set moving forward. Uh, if you didn't uh, get this text, certainly let your building principal know. It just must be an error with sort of how your phone number is categorized. So just reach out to your building principal if, you're, if your number, uh, if you did not get that text message. Huge feature on running and hopefully something that we can use moving forward on a more consistent basis. Uh, another thing on here is the Talking Points app. So for those of you who are not familiar with the Talking Points app, uh, it allows you to send out a text message and then uh, that text message can then be translated to families in their uh, primary language. So a huge thank you to Melissa McIntyre, an EL teacher at the high school, who sent a message out to all of the EL teachers asking for them to connect with their families uh, through Talking Points to make them aware of the survey and make sure they had the right supports to be able to complete the survey. So uh, thank you to Melissa for, uh, you know, kind of sharing talking points with a lot of us, but also getting that information out in a timely way. So that was our first piece was getting the information out electronically. We also then realized that that's uh, for families without internet access or families without a device, that we also had to have other strategies involved here. And then also just wanted to also think about families who may be internet uh, or technology isn't the best way to connect with them. So our next group of strategies here, we had a paper survey that we distributed and also used a uh, QR code flyer. I don't know if Dr. Cushing can quickly uh, share that. That's on the next slide. So you might've seen something like this where you hold your phone over, it can take a picture of it. It'll bring you right to the survey uh, in five languages. So um, Dr. Cushing, go back. So these, the, both the paper survey and the QR code flyer were distributed you know, in a, in a few different formats. Uh, first being at the eight grab-and-go lunch sites across the city. So those are distributed on this past Thursday and Friday. Uh, distributed throughout the Mid Midford Housing Authority buildings and also distributed at uh, MFN's Outdoor Clothing and Book Swap uh, this past weekend. Lastly, some of the other strategies that we uh, utilize to try to get the survey out to as many families as possible. Uh, one, just robocalls from building principals. So from someone who the district people are very familiar with, with the building principals, teach of the respective school communities. Uh, connecting with individual families through ESY and summer EL programs. So thank you to the directors, the teachers, the staff members who connect with families on an individual basis through both of those programs. Uh, and then also lastly, uh, just a lot of our community organizations who reached out to their families, uh, so some specific ones, Medford Recreation, uh, the Medford Family Network, and also the Medford uh, Youth Center.
So as, as you'll see, we felt strongly that uh, we needed 100% participation. And as Dr. Glucy said, we're going to try to close that loop this week to make sure we reach the rest of our families, but also feel that uh, this reflects our commitment to making sure that we have the voices and perspectives of everyone in our community heard throughout this process. Um, on the next slide, you'll see that this was, um, you know, something that really the, the whole community, a lot of community members got behind us getting this off the ground to be very thoughtful about how we outreached and networked to the community. I'd just like to first give a huge thank you to uh, some of the people and organizations that helped us do this. Lisa Tonello from the Medford Housing Authority, Debbie Amaral from the Malden YMCA and the Mystic Community Market, uh, Sierra McGivern from Mass and Motion, uh, Brooke Hoyt from the Medford Partnerships for Success, uh, Kevin Bailey uh, from the Medford uh, Department of Recreation, uh, Tayani Gullart, uh, also the Medford Program Director, Marie Cassidy from the Medford Family Network, and also Lisa Evangelista from uh, the Medford Public Schools as well. So those were people who helped us to get sort of flyers distributed, helped us to do some of the logistics at the grab and go meals, helped us to just coordinate logistics to get some of those paper copies and flyers out to the community, and also had some great ideas in helping us to think about what this could look like. Also, uh, like to share that this work was not something that was done behind closed doors by just a couple of people. Uh, this actually out of the communication and stakeholder engagement work group on the task force. There was a, a group of people who volunteered to stay on and help us to think about the survey distribution. Uh, and those people were the ones who actually helped us to map out these strategies. So just a huge thank you to Nick Tucci, uh, Katie Fiamara, Melissa McIntyre, Mohamed Bouyan, Jenny Graham, and then also two people who were not on that work group, but joined in sort of in our last meeting to support us with this were uh, Susanna Campbell and David Blau. So Overall, I'd just like to say we as a district were very encouraged by the you know, 3,800 responses that we received in just this first wave of our outreach. Uh, we're looking forward to closing the gap this week with the families who we weren't yet able to connect with and also appreciate the efforts of everyone in our community to help us uh, truly try to reach as many families as possible over the past week. So we will, uh, we will stop there and just turn it over to any, any questions. Thank you, team. I think that was very thorough. Um, yeah. And thank you for all the hard work. We know how much you've been working on all of this. So thank you. Um, if there's no further questions, we can um, pick it up where we left off with regards to the superintendent's recommendation and allow for public comment Madam Superintendent, anything else? No, I, I will await um, to listen to the, the, the feedback. I do see Member Vanderkloot. Um, raising her hand, but I would like to hear the feedback as well. Thank you. Uh, Member yes, so uh, I do have a motion ready, which uh, the, the intent of reading it beforehand would be um, so that people might comment on it as well. Um, if the committee is willing to hear it at this point. If not, um, I can listen to the feedback and then read it, whatever you prefer. Why don't you read it? I know it's yours. It's not necessarily the, but anything we're aware of, and we'll keep that in mind. And I, I am very open to, um, uh, you know, feedback from, uh, obviously, um, that the school committee... Um, 
that the school committee amend its return to school plan voted on 8-6-2020 as follows. One, given the increase in COVID-19 cases in Medford, all students will begin the school year remotely. And I should say, you know, I just have to, as I'm reading this, my own, uh, you know, to see that more than 60% of our families want hybrid and this is going to, you know, throw a kink uh, in that is, is very difficult. But anyway, I'll continue. Two, our most vulnerable students will be prioritized to return in person to in-person learning at the earliest possible time after the official start of school. Three, that the school committee will meet to review the updated recommendations of the Board of Health one month after the start of school. At that time, we will determine the feasibility of returning to the updated staggered hybrid in-person model. Families can still choose solely remote learning for their children. Four, the school committee will continue to negotiate with the Medford Teachers Association to resolve outstanding concerns. And five, the administration will prioritize the difficult task of working out the details of student placement. So. Got to start somewhere. Thank you so much. Got to start somewhere. Um, I think we have just, we have 420 participants on the call right now. Um, so we really ask that you keep your comments short. We know there's gonna be a lot of repetition. So um, if, if you can just, we're gonna keep it to 90 seconds or less. And I really am gonna keep a timer because I feel that if somebody has to wait till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, it's not a public, Form anymore and it's just unfortunate so if we could keep it short that would be greatly appreciated we have point of privilege member uh, motion i wanted to uh suggest a friendly amendment that we also build in community and stakeholder feedback um into the amendment and so how we would do that uh, i would recommend perhaps round tables um uh, continuing and uh, further, I have something on the later on on the agenda, but I think the motion, I would make a friendly amendment that we think about how we're including stakeholder engagement um, through this process as well. Family and community engagement, please. Noted, thank you. Jessica H. Hi, I just wanna thank everyone for all your hard work. I know none of this is easy. Um, I just want to say, um, I like Mrs. Vanderkloot, um, what she just proposed. Um, I have a son on an IEP who's going to be going into second grade. Um, with what the superintendent said about sending him back and not the other kids, it just makes me worried that, you know, you feel that it's okay for the special ed kids, the high needs kids to go back first and not the other kids, where I feel that they're more at risk for not keeping on a mask, not staying six feet apart. So I understand why they would go back first. Um, but if we don't feel it's safe for the rest of the children to go back, I don't feel it's safe for them. Also, um, with not being able to choose for remote for him due to, um, sorry, 
I wrote it down. Due to him not being able to stay with his team, I feel that I would lose his teacher he's been with for four years, that he's with a special ed teacher all day. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Lynn Anderson? Hello. Hi, Lynn. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So I'm fine with going full remote. My only concern is my senior in the vocational. He's in the graphic arts. So I just want to make sure that if we do go full remote, he is still going to get what he needs considering he is a senior and he lost a lot of it junior year. So as long as I can make sure that he is going to be, I did send it in with the frequently asked questions, but that was too long of a booklet to look for that particular question. I'm good with everything else, but of course I would like him to be safe. So whether we choose full remote, I just need to understand that my child in the Vogue is going to be able to get what he needs with all those learning hours and the college prep stuff that he needs because he didn't get to do his file of life, I guess, last year because all this happened. So I just want to make sure that that's what it is. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. I don't know if the, um, anybody wants to comment, but I'm sure we're going to do the best we can to make sure everybody gets the proper education and get these kids back to school once the metrics allow it, us to do Mayor, it safely. Madam Mayor, Mr. Fallon is on the call if he wants to address that quickly. Mr. Fallon, if you could quickly address that. Sure, hi. Um, Ms. Anderson, we have every intention. We're in touch with the other 55 vocational schools in the state. And we are all working together to make sure that we can cover the appropriate curriculum for all students. We met last week. We're ready. Um, we're armed with online curriculum as well as a plan to get students in, even if it's, you know, a, a few times a week. We're going to do everything we can to make sure we get him through this. Thank you, Mr. Fallon. And thank you, Lynn. Next, we have... End of the name is Roca. Yes. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. So um, I sent in an email that Member Rousseau started reading earlier with a lot of questions um, because the FAQ that was released really gave us no new information and didn't answer a lot of the community's questions to the level of detail that was necessary. However, since the meeting tonight indicates that we will begin remotely with a focus on in-person learning for high need students only, I just wanted to express my support um, and also my frustration uh, because this is, the is a conclusion that's being reached only now um, when myself and many other community members have been calling for this since planning began for the school year. Um, and as some teachers have expressed, if this had been the focus two weeks ago, a month ago, then families would have many more answers right now about the quality of remote learning and a thorough plan would be in place for high need students more than anything. Um, and besides that, I, I do want to address something that is directly relevant uh, to the school committee meeting from last, uh, a couple weeks ago. Why was the staggered hybrid plan revealed to us during uh, the last school committee meeting with no prior community input? and without giving us a chance to provide that input before voting on it. 
Thank you. I can try to answer that. I, I think the hybrid, staggered hybrid came out of all of the meetings that were had over the prior three weeks, as well as from um, union negotiations and trying to adjust it so that we could address most, not if not all, um, obviously not all of the teacher concerns. And it just time went so quickly that I think that's the spot we were in. I also want to say, um, because I think there there definitely is thinking that what was proposed on August 6th was different than what was worked on with the different work groups. So the hybrid model that was proposed was the same exact hybrid plan that the work groups came up with and the remote plan. Um, so what the work groups designed, um, that was what was the foundation of what was presented. What was presented on the 6th was a staggered approach due to some of the uh, changing variables that were coming across our way in a more clearer fashion um, that weren't as clear at the time when we started meeting in July. I do want to clearly state that the situation we're in right now where Medford is in yellow Prior to last week's uh, episode, Medford was in a very solid or strong position, unlike surrounding communities. So I always have been a proponent of full-time hybrid. If I, if I could have made the decision on my own, I would have gone with the full-time hybrid. Um, based on some of the information that um, was available um, as a compromise, knowing that we need to do some work with, um, you know, ventilation and those types of things, instead of leaving buildings completely empty, the recommendation for a staggered entry for our students so that all buildings would have some students. To the parent who was the first speaker talking about um, our most vulnerable learners, um, by having the staggered approach, we would have enabled um, not only some of our students who are most vulnerable to be in buildings, but we would have some other uh, grade levels also present in the building at that given time. So I want to be very clear about that. Um, people are under the assumption that there was a, a, a completely different plan that was concocted and that was not the case. We took the feedback, but in the end, um, school administration, my office, the office of the superintendent, we had to make a decision and make a recommendation to the school committee. That is what I am supposed to do. This evening, I made another recommendation to the school committee based on the changing metrics and the serious situation that Medford is dealing with right now. So again, if we were dealing with these numbers and what took place last week in July, then we would have been talking about a fully remote program. Um, so this is new information, but we always talked about being fluid and being flexible. And so I feel based on the information that happened last week and having to um, make a last minute decision three days before graduation to um, cancel graduation and have it take place on um, in the TV studio, that that was being flex flexible, being nimble and able to respond to a situation that was outside of our control. Again, the reason why we made that decision was to keep 
the entire community of Medford safe because the entire community of Medford is currently in a vulnerable position. And that is why we are offering additional testing both tomorrow and Wednesday from 2 to 7.30. And again, I strongly encourage the community to come out for the testing. So my recommendation right now to still serve our most vulnerable students because that was the mandate from DESE. We are meeting with DESE on a, a weekly basis and DESE in their guidance talks about different levels of, in alignment with the governor, but it also says for those students that are our most vulnerable, that school districts should do everything in their power to meet the needs of those students that are most vulnerable with in-person instruction. Parents have the remote instruction, and they will be able to have remote instruction. But for those families that have students that are qualified or classified as most vulnerable, and they are asking for in-person instruction, according to the guidance from DESI and the commissioner, the commissioner wants school districts to be able to service those populations. So I want to be clear to the listening audience that we are trying from an equity perspective to service students that need some of their, um, I would say, life-saving treatments of physical therapy, occupational therapy, whatever the case may be, that we need to be in a position to offer that to those populations in person. So I, I just want to restate that, but I, I appreciate the feedback. And um, we're going to continue, no matter what decisions are made, if we get guidance from the Board of Health, from the governor, um, saying that, you know, the state of Massachusetts is moving to a different phase, then we will be flexible and respond to that and communicate it out right away as soon as we receive that information. Thank you. Point of information, Mayor. Point of information, Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, Ms. Rocha also asked um, why there was no community input before the vo vote was taken. And I want that question addressed as well, because I think we're seeing 430 member uh, commu uh, community members still on the call at 8.50 when we started at six o'clock. Um, so clearly, I think one of the positive things about the COVID experience has been we have a community that is very engaged um, and that wants feedback and wants to participate and wants to be involved. So um, I appreciate the answer to the question as well, why community input wasn't provided before the vote was taken. During the week of um, August 6th, we had community feedback on, I want to say, Tuesday and I don't know if it was Monday and Tuesday and Dr. Cushing, I might, or Suzanne, uh, Ms. Galusi, one of you to ask uh, to jump in. It was Dr. Edward Vincent, you, I'll, yeah. I'll start start over. Um, during uh, the week of August sixth, we had two community uh, feedback sessions that we offered on Streamyard, and then after we had those two sessions, we continued to get 
additional information brought to us. That came, um, I want to say, on Wednesday when we looked at the challenges, some of the challenges that were beginning to surface that we were going to have to work at uh, addressing, which we are in the process of actively addressing those issues. So there are some infrastructure issues which um, came to a head where we were getting additional engineers and additional feedback about infrastructure and what it is that we were going to be facing and how much work we would potentially need. So in order to um, have the school buildings not be completely open and not only be um, students that were classified as our most vulnerable, we said if we take a staggered approach, this is with my administrative team, a staggered approach to the hybrid, we would be able to have some kids in buildings. And originally we were targeting uh, kindergarten, first, second grade at the elementary levels. It was kindergarten and first, and recommendation was to add second grade, sixth grade. And um, to one of the other previous parents who spoke, this, the vocational side of the house, the seniors, so that we would not impact their um, hours that they need to have the instruction. So the staggered approach was an attempt at um, bringing in critical grades that needed to, especially our vocational students, you know, the 11th and 12th grade are the grades where they do the majority of their hands-on learning, trying to get them into the building and where we had so much construction done on the vocational side of the house where they have new ventilation, they have air conditioners, they have bays that open, from our perspective, it would be logical to have some additional students in each building. Um, with the new information right now, where Medford is currently in yellow, and we are trying to get a, a grasp on our COVID numbers and get us moving in the right direction instead of in the wrong direction, um, we recommended, or my recommendation this evening to the school committee was to maintain our most vulnerable students um, with kindergarten and starting remote for the rest of the school system um, so that that would give us additional time to work on infrastructure and additional time to get greater guidance from the Board of Health regarding where Medford status will be in October because the situation we're dealing with right now, it's gonna take a few weeks for this situation, we hope, to settle down. And so, because it's gonna take us a few weeks for that to be addressed, we needed to leave time for that. So I hope I, you felt that I responded to the question, but that was what prompted um, the decision that was made last time. Thank you, Dr. Edward Vincent. Andrea Picaro. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can hear you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the quick minute to um, speak. I just wanted to quick offer an alternate perspective from the last speaker because I know many people are working hard to accommodate so many families and 
trying to meet guidelines and all. So while it might seem like a lot of people wanted full remote and would have given everyone more time to plan, um, I know that I'm not alone in the opinion that I'd prefer in-person for my kids for two main reasons. Um, I'm much more concerned at this point of my children's mental health than I, far more than I am about any COVID risk. And second, I'm a single working parent of three kids, kindergarten, second, and ninth grade, and I have no idea at this point how on earth I'm going to manage remote learning. So I just wanted to say that there's still a wide range of people that have different opinions. So there was no way to, I think, pick any sooner than now. And I still think it's a difficult decision. So thank you for all the work you're doing. And that was all. Thanks. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. We hear you. Kim? Kim, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hi. Okay. Well, um, I uh, have two high school students, uh, both of whom would like to apply to colleges. Um, this is going to be quite problematic for them, not having grades for last semester. And uh, my question to you is, what is the plan, uh, not for just teaching content, but for evaluating student progress, uh, with some sort of traditional grading structure in place, um, is there a plan for IS support on the teacher end of things? Um, my understanding was this was kind of a problem uh, during the spring. Uh, and so kids did lose out on content. Uh, will teachers be on site uh, since the buildings will be empty? Uh, so that, uh, there is some sort of technical technology support for teachers uh, who are running these classrooms? Uh, will they be on site in the buildings or working from their homes? Um, and also, I, I just need to comment that uh, that the recommendations uh, that I'm hearing here tonight are going uh, directly against the recommendations of the CDC, the American Pediatric Academy, and uh, who, and uh, the governor. So, um, and, and the general will of the people uh, with students in Medford public schools. Can, it, can anyone address these? I can just address the, the governor. Um, the governor is the one that put the metrics in place and yellow going into, well, red is remote and yellow is hybrid or remote. So we're looking like we're going into the red. We're skimming the bottom of red um, and my guess is we're going to be in the red uh, but let me see if I can get your other questions answered Bye. uh so if i can just speak up to the grading mm -hmm. desi has really made it um has made it clear that pass fail is not acceptable this time around and that grading needs to be something um that districts are really focused on um, so, uh, there's that piece, um, as well, um, if any other member of the team wants to jump in, but, um, uh, specifically to grading, that is something that. So I think that the only thing I would add is I think that we still have some of the finer details to plan out, um, with the teachers association, but at this point we would divert to the 
way the remote plan is set up in the dynamic plan, which can be found, the updated version that was submitted to DESE. Um, so it was prior to this newfound knowledge. But if you just look at the way the remote learning plan is set up, um, a lot of the expectations for what it will look like are in that plan. The only thing are the fine um, details, the staffing assignments, as well as finishing some of the accountability language. Those are the things that we're going to work on um, with the school-based teams and um, the teachers' union. And once more information comes out, we absolutely will share it with the community. Member Randa Kloot? Yes, I'm also, um, we've not addressed this, but I am assuming, uh, and maybe someone from an administration can chime in, that all of our guidance counselors will be actively working, particularly with our um, junior and senior students, helping them with college planning and um, uh, make, doing outreaches, perhaps meeting with uh, uh, groups of them over Zoom uh, or on one-on-one -on -one like they would if they were in person. We haven't spoken to this, but I think I want to reassure parents that we're well aware of the need for this. Does anybody else want to address that from the administration? Um, that is definitely something that we are uh, well aware of, well conscious of. Um, you know, there's there's a significant amount of um, of issues for our seniors in particular. Um, if we were to even extrapolate it out to our athletics, um, where state guidance was just handed out on that. So, I mean, if you if I was a college football player. So where's your senior tape coming from if we don't have football? Um, how is recruiting happening? Um, what about SATs and um, recommendations from senior teachers and all these different types of things that unfortunately, not only for students of Medford, but for so many students across our country are substantially impacted at this time. Um, so yes, we are I know that Stacy Schulman um, is going to be working uh, with our students, and I just saw Principal Deleva uh, put his hand up, so I'll allow him to jump in as well as the um, as the leader of our uh, high school with Mr. Fallon. So just give me a second here, and you can unmute now, Mr. Deleva. Thank you, everyone. I just want to kind of add in to what uh, Kim is asking. On the transcripts, we actually made a note, and I, I want people to understand the colleges are dealing with exactly the same thing in any community, not just Medford. So our, our transcripts basically have a disclaimer for what's going on in the year 2019-2020. Uh, so when you look at the transcripts and what the final grades are, the colleges are aware of that. So I want to make that abundantly clear. Now, this time around for remote learning, Grading is going to be normal as it normally was. At the time, we were just adapting. Every time something new came in, we were adapting. We are now moving forward with a normal grading system for quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, because how we start, just want to kind of reiterate that I understand this is a concern. Of course, the guidance counselors are, are ready to work on any issues. But I do want to remind the community, this is not only a Medford High School problem. These are high school problems across the district that we're working on to ensure that our students are getting the best that they can. Thank you. Also, um, 
Stacy Shulman is on the call if she wants to add in as well. Stacy, so you can. Thank you. I just wanted to add in to uh, Member Vanderkloot's comment about guidance counselors reaching out to staff and parents and students. We've already started to put together some information related to the changes in the college application process, as well as other considerations they might need related to testing. Great. Thank you very much. Michael? Michael. Thank you. This is Michael Bernstein, Lyman Avenue, Medford. My child is entering third grade. Since we're starting everyone except our most vulnerable students remote, we have a chance to try to make remote work as best we can. Please do not divide families into remote and hybrid cohorts for the coming year before school starts. Please let students stay with their usual schools while starting remote with classmates they know, with teachers they recognize, and with specialists and support staff they know. This will ease the transition into the fall. It will allow more differentiated instruction and it will let us figure out what students need and let us have the best chance of making the remote learning successful. Later in the year, if hybrid learning, if or when hybrid learning becomes a safe option, families will be in a better position to make the choice of staying remote or switching to hybrid. The science keeps changing, family needs can change, and we will all know more about remote learning once we've seen how it's working for our children in the fall. Aside from our most vulnerable students, please do not divide us into cohorts now when it will make the start of the school year more stressful and less successful. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Megan Baer. Hi, uh, my name is Megan Baer. I'm a mother to a second grader and an incoming kindergartner. I, I did reach out to the committee members by email today, and I, uh, I stand by that email in which I expressed my support for the hybrid model for um, any in-person learning that the school can safely provide. Uh, I am hearing today with this update, and I do understand um, how it's driven by the metrics. Um, and so I, I do, though, want to for all the reasons I set out in my email, as well as what other speakers have said, still wanna voice my support for in-person learning and looking at the whole health of the children um, and the, you know, the ways that this uh, remote learning is not equitable and the ways that it is harmful for children. Um, and then my, my point in light of the new development based on the numbers is just in um, hoping that the administration is looking at how we can pivot. And I did hear the superintendent speak to flexibility, for example, with the high school graduation, but looking towards how we would be able to pivot to a hybrid model if the numbers um, do support that. And uh, you know, clearly looking at the numbers with 62% or 63%, that's where the, the families, uh, you know, many of the families are focusing, a majority of the families. And so uh, just hoping that we can put things in place to make a change to a hybrid approach possible if the numbers support it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Kelly Catalo. Madam Mayor, thank you. 
Um, I know that this is not an easy decision. I too supported the hybrid model. I am a parent of a senior. He lost his opportunity to raise his GPA last spring. A lot of schools were giving grades. I am afraid with the remote model, not every kid is great at learning on their own at home. Some kids do their homework in school because that's where they do their best work. Um, I would like to ask you all to keep an open mind that if these numbers do improve, that we could do the hybrid model. He is also a student in the vocational and computer programming cannot be taught remotely because she's there interacting with them in the classroom. So I'm really concerned he's not getting the learning that he's supposed to get there. He's not getting the hours that he's supposed to get there. And I hope that maybe you can look at this, um, look at it differently for different groups of people. I agree with, you know, the superintendent. There is a population that does need to be, you know, in a classroom in order to get their education, they're high risk. That opportunity should be there for any parent that wants it. Um, the opportunity for the vocational kids that are juniors and seniors that our time clock is really running out and we only have first quarter to help them boost those grades. I'd like to see that opportunity remain there. And, and again, everybody has the choice to keep their children at home. I'm asking you to leave the opportunity there. I'm also very concerned if you shut the schools, our kids that have been waiting since last March to take their SATs, does that mean that that's not available to them on October 3rd? Thank you, Ms. Catallo. Um, I don't know if anybody can answer the SAT question, especially. I don't have the answer to that. We can, just to delay, but maybe you could look, look into that for us. Yes. Principal. Um, we have, and as of right now, we're trying to figure out what's going on with the site. Um, again, all matters on the Board of Health and everything like that, because we just, we have to understand that outside people also request to come to the building to take SATs. So it's not like we can just say Medford High School students only. So there's a lot of information with the testing board that we're trying to figure out. My personal thing is I do want to obviously run it. I don't think that that's going to help anybody by hurting any. Um, I don't want to hurt anybody because of that, but I want to see what the restrictions can be because I've already got requests from people from Malden in certain other areas. Um, and so we just don't have that information completely figured out yet. Thank you, Mr. DeLeva. Gonna open it up to Mayor. the school committee. Yes, member Russo. Um, I do have a number of emails that I need to read. Um, uh, including two that were actually from the last session, but when we adjourned uh, and I actually motioned to adjourn, I had forgotten that we had re emails to read. So I think it's important to get them in the record now um, so that I don't forget again when I'm so tired. Um, so uh, the first email is from, um, Goodness, I didn't remember it was quite this long, but from um, James Donovan, 63 Boston Avenue. Um, as a parent of four children in the Medford Public Schools, spanning elementary, middle, and high school, I wanted to share with you my experience with remote learning and my hopes for 2020-21 school year. 
I've had the time to digest the MPS return to school plan, and I am very optimistic about the opportunity to have my boys return to school for in-person learning. I can say with a fair amount of certainty that my children, one second, I got to increase this font, I'm a little too old. Um, I can say with a fair amount of certainty that my children learned very little, if anything, via remote learning at the end of the 2019-2020 school year. Remote learning was a failure. I, I even find it difficult to call it learning. This is not a reflection of their teacher's ability or commitment or the school system as a whole. We faced a global pandemic that no one was or could have been prepared for. But unless the MPS has made significant technological investments, and I don't mean Chromebooks, and more importantly, drastically changes teaching tech methodology, remote learning will fail again. Both the CDC and our own DESE guide rec recognize the inadequacies and social inequality of remote learning and are strongly encouraging in-person learning. I too am in I too am obviously in favor of returning to in-person learning in some form as well. I understand and appreciate some parents' apprehension about sending their children to school. It is, it is a discussion both my wife and I have had. Within that discussion and in our ultimate decision, we also weighed the psychological and educational needs of our boys as well. We also recognize and appreciate that the MPS school plan allows an option for those parents who prefer remote learning. It is my understanding that a decision on the 2020-21 school year must be made soon and the teachers union is asking to return to remote learning. The MPS plan already capitulates to the teachers union by reducing the DESTI social distancing recommendation from three feet to six feet. I would hope the needs of our children and the wishes of taxpayers would outweigh the preferences of a public sector union. As a first responder, I have safely worked through the, the profession. Nothing is going to change for this school year. Vaccines, even if developed, will not be widely available in time to save the 2020-2021 school year. If we start remote, we will finish remote. If that is the case, I will be a, a zealous advocate to have all my children repeat the school year, as will many other parents I have spoken to. I trust that the school committee will follow the will of the people that elected them and have the best interest of the children they serve in mind. But I feel as a parent heavily invested in the MPS that it is important that I share my experiences with remote learning. Thank you for your time. All right, I'll move. I think that was the longest one. Um, You next want to one oh, go ahead. Yep, is from um, Blair Barrich. Forgive me if I spelled the name, said the name wrong. English teacher at Boston Latin School. Um, here, uh, it's to all of us. I'm very appreciative that you are considering starting schools remotely, except for the highest risk students. I think this makes my most sense and that it will help our community stay safe. I do have a few questions, suggestions that I would like you to consider if the measure gets passed. One, please allow teachers who are teaching remote to work in their homes and not require them to come into the building. If you feel they can safely have that option, then please allow this. But to force them to come into the building is an unnecessary burden on them and their families. They will feel unsafe and many will have to find child care, child and elderly care. Please trust that you have hired strong teachers. If you need to check on them, you can always attend Zoom or Google Meets, look at grade books, ask for lesson plans. 
I tru truly believe that continuing to treat our Memphis public school teachers as professionals that they will that they are will be helpful for all for all and will result in a better education for our students. Number two, I do not know if this is at all possible or feasible, but for elementary schools, could students in the previous grade continue with last year's class and possibly last year's teacher? For example, my daughter was in kindergarten last year at the Brooks. Could she be with the same cohort of students as she was last year so that they already know each other since so much discussion has been on kids building friendships and possibly with the same teacher? I know this might not be logistically this might not logistically be possible. It might be a very specific concern for each school, but it might help alleviate some concerns parents have. I personally think it will be fine if they have a new class remotely, as I trust MPS and its teachers to be able to build relationships even over Zoom, Google Meets. But I do not think that doing something like this will go a long way with parents who are otherwise hesitant. Thank you for your work again um and uh number two actually is a question so i just does anybody want to answer the uh question about um trying to keep classes together at least at the elementary level as they move up sure please yeah yep i think that um so i have mixed feelings on that one i can understand where uh the parent is coming from most definitely but i do think that the elementary schools have a process at the end of each year that's a very thoughtful one in terms of class placement that is done by teachers uh, who know the students the best and they ensure that when the classes are created that not only is there a balance um, within the classroom but that students are paired um, with peers that are you know a benefit to the students sometimes i do say that um, it's, it's helpful to mix up the students a little bit. We have um, transitions throughout a year, even in situations, some families move out. So inevitably, there's never going to be the ability to move an entire cohort of students from one grade to the next. Um, but the process in which we're creating the list um, is a thoughtful one involving the educators and so the peers students will be assigned to classrooms where they're going to know some peers from last year and it just probably will not be the same exact class or teacher okay um the next question um comes from angela sasso 8 madison street in medford um, if we start with remote learn online learning how will the the Voc students get their hours for their program certificates. My daughter is in the electrical program and will be a junior. Uh, the Voc is hands-on learning. My husband and I are concerned on how she will learn her program remotely. Thank you to the teachers, school committee administrators, and parents who are working hard in the best interest of our students and community. Did we have that answer once already? I Forgive me, I can't remember. Yes. Hi, I can speak to that if you need me to. Yes, please, Mr. Fallon. So the electrical board has approved online learning for a component of that program. Of course, we understand hands-on is definitely where it's at. But uh, the answer I can give you right now is that, again, working with the other 56 vocational technical high schools in the state, we're all facing the same issue. Um, we are going to be working with the electrical board to get as many of the online hours completed as we can. But again, it's all going to come down to when it's safe 
we will get the students in and we will make up the time. All right, thank you. Um, next is from um, Florence Hamilton at uh, 59 Grand Avenue. Um, she has a question about the health app. I don't know if Ms. Ray is still on or somebody who can answer that, but um, I'll ask both questions. Um, one, will the app be translated? And two, um, she noticed that the question about, there was a question about the fever. I believe it said something like, do you have a fever, a temperature of 99 or above? Um, and um, I forget who demoed it. Was it Peter? I forgive me. It's been a long uh, night. Principal Downs. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Principal Downs demoed it. And um, he actually chose no in the demo and then wrote 99 as the temperature in the bottom. But the app said that person could go to school. Could that be explained? And if they answer the question, no, but put a temp of 100, will it know to say that they should not go to school? It was fast. So maybe uh, she saw it wrong. Thank you. I, I can answer that. So you, when the user enters in the, the temperature that was taken in the morning, the next question asks for the method of how the temperature was taken, um, whether it was oral rectal, um, axillary, and those, and the algorithm figures out what the temperature means in terms of a fever dependent on the method of the temperature that was taken. So, um, uh, yes, it, it will take into account all of those measures when, when it gives a determination. Okay. And uh, will that be translated into the necessary yes. languages? They are translating it into about six different languages for us. Thank you. Um, and I have um, one more, one split second. All right, this one is um, from Gary, uh, let me, I'm sorry, it's a, Gary Klein, 24 Sagamore Avenue in Medford. Um, and uh, it's addressed to superintendent. Uh, uh, I'm a proud parent of a graduating Medford High senior. I appreciate all the hard work with that you, Principal DeLeva and many other others contributed to make a virtual graduation possible under difficult circumstances. At the same time, I am dismayed that the selected guest speaker chose to speak about the rights of the unborn and about the role of God in shaping the graduates' lives. His remarks on these issues were entirely unacceptable. His statement should have been vetted and his, in this material, inappropriate to a public school graduation should have been excised. The speaker's remarks were disrespectful to a community which has long embraced the constitutional issues. Put simply, many of us believe deeply in a woman's right to make a personal, highly personal decision about whether to give birth to a child. At the same time, there are undoubtedly young women in the graduating class who have, made, have already made the difficult decision in favor of terminating a pregnancy. Others may be in the process of making that decision. These graduating students entitled to a celebration should not have to have should not have had this controversial and incendiary issue inserted into their graduation program, particularly by a white male speaker that the school system offered up as a role model. Nothing but trauma is likely to result. The speaker and some readers of this letter may attempt to equate the rights of the unborn that the speaker chose to evaluate 
to elevate with the rights of black Americans to justice, an issue he also spoke about. This is plainly false equivalence. The Black Lives Matter movement is a fight for civil rights explicitly promised to all Americans. There is no valid argument that these rights are not protected by the country's values or by its existing constitution, nor are expressions of the rights of black Americans to fairness and justice likely to cause trauma to any member of the graduating class. Many community members are con also consider religious belief a private matter that has no place in public school ceremonies. We consider our graduates to be the masters of their own futures who do not need to be told that someone else's God will lead them to their destiny. Thank you again for providing an otherwise excellent graduation ceremony, although I recognize that a time crunch may have prevented your office from fully evaluating the speaker's prepared remarks. I hope that you will consider offering an apology to students and other members of the community who are offended, who were offended by the chosen speaker's ill-considered and highly inappropriate And I don't know if superintendent anybody wishes to speak on that now or uh, I, just provide I, a... I do, do want to speak and, um, you know, I thank the parent for um, sending in his comments. I do want to apologize for not having properly vetted um, this, um, that was definitely not our uh, intention to have anyone um, Anyone feel on people, so I do want to apologize um, officially for that. Thank you. And Thank that you. is the last question. Okay. <laughs> I think we got to everybody, all the participants that wanted to speak, and I'm sure we know a lot would repeat the same. Oh, actually, Mr. Castagnetti. Hi, thank you. Um, I have several questions and they actually all relate to the high needs population. Um, so my first question is, if the district is going to be considered part of a red zone, which means it's unsafe for the population, school population to be in school in person, why would it be considered safe for the most vulnerable to be in school? And the other question relating to that is, do you have an estimate of how much staff would be needed if you're saying we're going to have special education students, level one and two ELL students, students who are um, homeless, receiving foster care, foster care and kindergarten, um, considering that it involves specialists that those children would be seeing um, in addition to their classroom teachers, and would additional staff be needed so that we could keep social distancing? I know it's a lot, but they all relate. I don't know if anyone can address that, if the superintendent or anyone yes. else can address that. To your question about the uh, most vulnerable students um, being in the buildings, um, that was based on the lessons that the Commonwealth has learned from the COVID-19 closure of the spring that the commissioner, um, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education has truly looked at students that were most impacted by the closure. 
So um, what the commissioner has been clear with uh, superintendents is regardless of what state um, uh, a particular community may be in, that it is up to that district to keep in mind what services are going to be available for our most vulnerable. So um, again, there are students who are receiving life quality of life treatments, sessions, therapies that are improving their quality of life. We're not even talking about academics, but quality of life, physical therapy, occupational therapy, different kinds of therapies that are helping students um, have a better quality of life. And so the commissioner has prioritized those um, most vulnerable students. And that has been um, a charge that was given to districts to try in the capacity that they can to service our most vulnerable. So um, I cannot to could potentially be needed in order for um, in order to achieve that, but um, we are prioritizing trying to meet the needs of our most vulnerable because we've been tasked with that, no matter what uh, color the community may be in. So um, again, with the shift that was recommended based on the current metrics that we're working with, um, we made the recommendation for some of the other grade levels to be remote. At least that was the recommendation that I put forth to the school committee, but we have to, uh, we have to prioritize um, our most vulnerable. And so that is something that I am gonna continue to say that I will be prioritizing them and continuing to say, we need to think about our most vulnerable. Um, one of our parents who spoke earlier talked about the social emotional well-being. That's also something that you can't, um, you know, quantify with a letter grade, an A, a B, a C, a D, an F. But some parents probably could say right now they would give their child an F because social emotionally they are struggling. And so um, we have to keep that in mind. Yes, we're going to think about safety and the health and well-being of everyone, but we do need to just um, keep that in mind as something that we need to prioritize. So I will continue to um, try to prioritize them and see how we can service those students. Thank you, Mrs. Castagnetti, and thank you, Dr. Edward Vincent. Allison Lead. Led. Oh, sorry. A point of information, Mayor, before we move on to the next question. Point of information, Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Just in response through the chair to um, Ms. Castagnetti and to the um, superintendent. And I've also given this um, question a lot of thought. And uh, I know that we have data collection from the extended school year, as Ms. Uh, Campbell presented earlier. And so I, you know, they talk about the smaller cohort. And so when we're given instruction, even from the governor or what have you, that we limit the amount of people, we limit, you know, limit the um, exposure, the space, what have you. So I feel like that's part of it. These are sm much smaller cohorts. And so there's a little bit more control, if you will, in terms of the limits um, uh, of exposure for these particular um, students. And, um, but it is still obviously a very real 
uh, concern for our teachers and our staff and our students as well, especially around, you know, PPE and mask wearing and other things that, so those questions do need to be answered. And I think we also need to be thinking about what the buildings are that these um, high, high, our most vulnerable students will be going to um, uh, if and when they're brought back in for in-person learning and, you know, uh, for the community that's watching, again, the DESE guidance is that we um, are prioritizing the most vulnerable students. And I think it's a really valid question. If, if it's not safe for a large group, how could it be safe for this group? And I think one of the sort of more, more reasonable answers just off the at first blush is that this is a much smaller group and it's more controlled and the environment is going to be more controlled around um, some of the cleaning and the PPE and the, um, classroom and what have you, but I think that these are questions that need to continue to be asked. And so I hope that, again, we'll be getting stakeholder engagement from our um, special education community as well and our CPAC and our teachers. Um, and, and then I just wanted to ask um, for the superintendent and maybe this this is probably a point of negotiation. I'm not sure that families or folks know, but I don't know what the requirement is if if you know families are choosing that they want to go remote once we go in person you know are there options for uh, a teacher remote cohort and a hybrid remote cohort because I know that certainly there's been teachers that we've spoken with as well that want to get back into the school so will we be sort of creating you know banks of those teachers um, that you know need remote for whatever reason their family circumstances like some of the letters we've received or very much want in person I think as we're continuing to negotiate and as we, we don't have a firm number yet right now on how many people officially um, would like to teach remote or medically need to do that. So we're still working on gathering that information and we will definitely um, get to that point. But that is something that I wanted to be able to definitely have a cohort of teachers based on, you know, the interest um, who would be, you know, potentially designated as remote, et cetera. Um, as you can see from the survey data that has come in, 65% of the community really would like to have students um, in person at some point in time um, or hybrid. So we're also you know, looking at that, but we still wanted to have a, a, a group of people potentially designated for remote learning. Um, so teachers we could possibly have specifically identified to be remote all year long. Thank you. Allison? Hi there. Thanks for taking my question. Um, my name is Allison. I'm a parent of an incoming um, kindergartner and I'm also a research scientist in, a bi in the biomedical research area. Um, my, my question, I will say that I voted for the, the hybrid, um, but at the same time, I mentioned that I'm a research scientist because I know the dangers of this disease. We take it very seriously. But at the same time, I've witnessed um, many workplaces. I'm an essential worker. Um, we've opened up very safely using PPE and, and other strategies, including testing, routine testing. Um, my children are also currently in daycare until <laughs> kindergarten starts. Um, those, um, those locations have opened up safely. There's been no incidents, um, any, a very strict policy of any symptom, you stay home for 72 hours until there's a, a reason to come back safely. So, you know, I think maybe this is for the mayor uh, as well. When you're thinking about 
I'm nervous that there's not going to be a plan, you know, you're delaying things to, to reopen and putting this on hold due to the new cases in town. I understand that, but I'm nervous that there's not going to be a plan that's still, that's going to be satisfactory to the teachers as well as the parents. Um, so my worry, and again, for the mayor is if you think about the town as a whole, having schools remote is just going to, in my opinion, increase the number of cases in the town. People are forced to find their own cohorts within town and mix more than they would if they were in school wearing masks and separated and socially distant. Um, so, so that's my worry. Um, I, I wish there was an urgency to get people back in the class. And while I appreciate all the work that has gone into the detailed plans, I read through every page <laughs> of the documents that have come and I, I Everyone has been very knowledgeable, and even those who have answered um, my emails and answered my questions on the school committee and in the administration. Um, but my worry is, do we need to be a little more creative and, and almost start over with some of this? Should outdoor classes be a more significant um, part of the plan starting over? And should routine testing, which I've sent several emails and even the mayor has written back to me, what, what are the next steps for that? Are we seriously considering that even though that's expensive and having um, routine testing for students and for teachers just to get us back either outdoors for older students or all or uh, entire classes of parents who are willing to send their younger kids into schools? Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Um, as far as the city's concerned, yes, we're working with Tufts University and the Broad Institute to get regular testing of all staff as well as potentially all upper level students, meaning at least our seniors and see, see what else we can get done. We are only, I think, allowed so many tests per week, but we are working to get as many people tested on a regular basis as we can. Um, for me, if you want the, the answer for me, I mean, I'm following the data too and the science and knowing that most likely we're gonna be in the red in a matter of a day or two, um, and having the governor's baseline and color-coded metrics, that's, that's what I'm going off of. Um, I voted for the, I was ready to, but I, I voted on, I want to get our children back to school, but with what we're seeing going on and knowing we're going to see many more cases over the next, um, week or two, I, I, it's forcing us into the red. I, I, there's just no right answer, but I have to go with what the governor's guidance is, what the Board of Health's guidance is, and per, I say perfect the remote at the beginning and try to get our most vulnerable back, our younger children back. Obviously, we voted to put our seniors back as soon as possible. Obviously, get as many as people, kids as back as we can, uh, as fast as we can, as long as it's safe and the metrics say we it's the right time to do it. Um, are there any questions from the committee? I know we need to discuss the motion that's on the floor um, as a body. So, Mayor. Member Vandekloot. Yes, I, I thought it might be helpful um, if uh, I did add uh, 
um, Melanie McLaughlin had asked that we did something about community involvement. So I added a piece. Uh, may I read that? Yes. Uh, that the school committee will continue to reach out to our community and families through roundtables and other modes that encourage community participation. Um, did, the things that were not included in here that the uh, superintendent had uh, initially included kindergarten students. Um, I did not at this point really focusing on the most vulnerable population. I just thought that was one more level of complication. Uh, although I certainly understand uh, why we would want to get kindergarten back. Um, I was a little concerned that if we keep on adding anything, but other people may feel differently. Um, does anybody want to hear any piece of the motion again? And again, please feel free to edit. Um, and Member Vandekloot, your motion is to start remote and then get our most vulnerable back ASAP. So can you read it again? Yeah. It's been I several won't. hours. So. <laughs> Yep, that the school committee amend its return to school plan voted on 8-6-2020 as follows. One, given the increase in COVID-19 cases in Medford, all students will begin the school year remotely. Two, our most vulnerable students will be prioritized to re return to in-person learning at the earliest possible time after the official start of school. Three, that the school committee will review the updated recommendations of the Board of Health one month after the start of school. At that time, we will determine the feasibility of returning to the updated, um, because I assume we'll do some updates to the staggered uh, program, but to the updated choose solely remote learning for their children. So what I'm suggesting is one month into it, we're gonna take a look, we're gonna say, is it feasible for us to um, uh, return in a staggered way? Um, four, the school committee will continue to negotiate with the Medford Teachers Association to resolve outstanding concerns. Five, the administration will prioritize the difficult task of working out the details of student placement. And six, that the school committee will continue to reach out to our community and families through roundtables and other modes that encourage community participation. Point of information. Point of information, Member McLaughlin. Thank you, Mayor. Um, uh, thank you for the motion. I'm not sure, I know that we got an answer from the Board of Health earlier about what their perspective was on um, remote means remote um, for all students uh, in the red with the governor. Uh, I have gotten other feedback through the night from um, have a, a background uh, maybe in um, this a little bit more uh, who are suggesting that uh, and also the guidance that Desi offered in June that says regardless of whether the district goes remote um, I need students need to be prioritized for in-person learning so I just want to sort of let folks know that I think we need to really you know, not think that we know what that guidance indicates at this point. Yeah, maybe some of the, the administration can update us on that because I know my Board of Health director hasn't, I don't think it's been a few days since she's been on with Desi, so I don't, that may, may be different, which would change this motion. Um, Mayor. Member I uh, Actually, um, I just said our most vulnerable students will be prioritized to return to uh, in-person learning. I need. I didn't say the date. I said, you know, they're number one. So I think that 
I think that frankly, it's loose enough to be able to accommodate um, whatever we hear. Um, it still needs, that means there's a subset of teachers. It's going to be need to be negotiated. There's still lots of work to be done. Um, but I think that it's broad enough that it covers it. But your number one says all will start remote. So right. that's contradictory that if Desi says no, our most vulnerable should be in school day one, even if you're in the red, that's contradicting itself. So well, I, it could be after it be on, it could be the second day after it could be the day after the first day of school. So um, or one of the things I could do is I could say our most vulnerable students will be prioritized to return to in-person learning at the earliest per possible time period. Based on DESI requirements, I would suggest respectfully through the mayor. I mean, I just think the issue is that we don't. Yeah, I agree with that. Member McLaughlin, you must have went on mute. Oh, no, I just said yes. Thank you. Yeah, that works. Member Graham. Um, can you read the bullet about the Board of Health again? Sure. Um, the school committee will, re will meet to review the updated recommendations of the Board of Health one month after the start of school. At that time, we will determine the feasibility of returning to the updated staggered hybrid in-person model. Families can still choose solely remote learning for their children. Um, so I would sort of, I think there's two things going on in that single statement. And I think one thing is we're asking our board of health to give us a rubric of sorts, right? That will guide us through any future um, phases, reopenings, that kind of thing. The motion that we passed last, mm -hmm. um, whenever that was, the 6th, um, had that happening by September 15th. And um, I would suggest that we separate that from the review that this committee will do one month after school starts. Um, because I think on its own, any sort of like roadmap from the Board of Health is going to have its own hours of questions associated with it. Um, and if Marianne O'Connor is sort of digesting and interpreting what the governor is saying and what Desi is saying and what's happening with Tufts and, and like the other factors that she's seeing in our community, I think she can lay that rubric out uh, and we can talk about that and agree separately that that, that um, rubric is good before we then have to talk about what are the what are the metrics and will how will we move forward from here and what i don't want to do is have like a really circular conversation around do i it, do we have issues with the staggering approach or do we have issues with the metrics or is it both and i feel like there's a huge potential to sort of confuse what is happening in the, those two like equally complex components. So I would suggest that we sort of split that into two pieces. Member Vandekloot. 
Yes. So I actually saw it as um, consistent with what you had put forward last time um, with the Board of Health in information, because I still think that we would be going just the way that we um, had Marianne here today. We still would be meeting with her. So I, my, in, my um, intention was a little less complicated than uh, what you're saying, because I, I would still agree that we would need the earlier meeting. What I can write is um, the school committee um, will meet one month after the start of school. At that time, we will determine the feasibility of returning to the updated staggering hybrid in-person model. I, uh, so we could just leave out the Board of Health because we've actually already covered it. That's fine. Does that work? Yep. I, I just on that on uh, on that number three. I just question the one month that will bring us to October sixteenth, and not to nitpick at all. But I just I just say, say we're going up to red, which we think we are. We we're going to keep um, hoping and hoping that we come down. And if we're down before the start of school, I think we're going to want to meet sooner than the month to try to you know, create a plan. Um, I know the administration will be meeting with the teachers union along the way. So when we will we'll be updated on those um, discussions, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a, maybe a month is right. I just want to make sure it's open-ended that obviously we can meet sometime in September too, if we feel it's necessary. Um, okay. I wanted to put some time in it. So we were sure to fix a time. Um, I'm a little, you know, mm -hmm. if I, know. I say as needed, it doesn't, you know, if we say the start of school, the teacher's going to be coming back to us right now. And, you know, I, I, I was moving a little bit to, to getting us up and running and taking, taking some of the angst away. So that's why I built in that time frame. But, I, you know, yeah. if people have other recommendations. Um, member Graham. Um, I don't, I don't think we should remake a decision with less than a month under our belts. I just think it's, it's going to be so complex to like turn this ship 90 degrees where everyone is already under incredible stress. And I think I just feel the, the um, importance of the fact that we've got to hit the mark a lot closer this go around than we did in the spring. And that's gonna take a ton of work on the part of teachers and administrators and, and frankly, parents. Um, and out of respect for how much time that's gonna take, like I just, we have to let that work. And, and I, think, I think the other thing that we need to consider is that whatever happens, um, you know, I don't see a scenario where in October we're making any suggestion that everyone just goes back to school, everybody all at once. Like, I don't think that's even an option. Mm -mm. Um, and I think to give people time to settle into the remote option a little bit might help us find more families that have found a way to make remote learning work. And if that's the case, that allows us to bring back those who haven't found that to work just a little bit more safely. So, you know, just the same way that we asked everyone to stay home so that our first responders could work safely. Like, I think 
you know, if we were not considering all the other factors, that's what we would be asking people to do here. But there's so many other factors at play. We can't, you know, that's really hard to do. Um, so I just hesitate to like put everybody on the end of that whip and ask them to like get healthcare in place, figure out how you're going to make this work. And then like, kind of whip it back the other way and have teachers like reshuffling classrooms. And like, I, I feel like we do need a little bit of time for everybody to settle into something. Um, so I don't think I'm super in favor of doing it faster than a month personally. Unless we don't bring our most vulnerable back right away and we don't want to wait, you know, that I think they would be the, my only exception to that. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was where I was yeah. getting at. Just in case, I just want to make sure we have that option. Um, Ms. Catalo, sorry, I didn't realize I wasn't unmuted, um, Madam Mayor. I agree with you, and what I'd like the committee to understand as a parent of a senior, October 16th, it's almost game over. The end of the quarter is November 3rd. They're forced quarter grades that they need. They didn't get them last spring. If you could please consider making this a 30-day review, like 30 days from today, a lot can change. A lot changed in the last two weeks. Maybe 30 days from today, we can do a hybrid. You know, I, I don't have high hopes for remote learning based upon what we all went through last spring. Um, and I, I didn't see a lot of learning going on. So to take that opportunity away from kids who want to be in a classroom, I would like to ask you to please leave that there, that you could change this if the numbers change between now and September 16th. Thank you. Um, Kate Willard. Kate? Sorry, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, so I had, so since I am a special education teacher, also I, I live in Medford, so I have a double. Um, I would like more specifics in terms of what a high needs student um, means, because um, as the superintendent was saying, like there are students who do receive life saving treatment, you know, through or treatment that needs to be in person like PT and OT. But the DESE definition right now is saying that students who are in special education classrooms for 75% or more for their day. That would include students that I have taught. Um, and that's not necessarily for any of those reasons. So I just, I, I would like for those priorities to be a little more specific and maybe have a hierarchy of um, what vulnerable students mean. Um, I know it, it was a struggle for a lot of uh, students on IEPs this spring, I don't deny that. Um, but I also had students who really did well. Um, so I just, I would like more specifics on that because it's very vague right now. Thank you. 
Thank you. We uh, we are going to continue to be negotiating that with the union, and we will be using Destiny's guidance. But part of that guidance is the seventy five percent of the time um, receiving related services or other uh, supports. So um, we will we will go deeper with that with the negotiating team. Thank you. Point of information on that, Matt? Yes. Yes, Member McLaughlin. Yes, I also want to um, be thinking about how does that work for students that are, we have some students that are clearly high needs, but might actually be um, on the 80% or more in, uh, inclusion um, in general education track. So um, I know that was certainly the case for my daughter for some time. So how are we making sure that we're capturing that population is something um, we need to give thought to. So I would also say in consultation, you know, obviously with um, in that, in that collaborative effort. Tope. Hi, Tope. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I uh, just want to, first of all, just thank you for all of the work that you're doing. This is an impossible situation. And I know there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of considerations. And I think we're all, we all have the same goals. Um, and, you know, I know you have a really tough job to do. So just um, thank you for all you're doing, well, all you're doing and um, all that you still have yet to do. Sorry, pardon me. <laughs> Um, I guess just, uh, I think that it's important to keep realistic expectations about what exactly we can do in this situation. Um, this is all a big experiment, whatever we do, whether we're all remote, whether it's hybrid, whatever we do, it's something we've never done before and we don't know what the outcome is going to be and the stakes are really high. Um, so and, you know, my, my mother was a high school teacher. I know how hard teachers work. Um, and to be faced with all of this at the, at the last minute, um, even three months, uh, I just want to say I really appreciate all the work that our teachers did um, over the spring and how difficult that was. Even, you know, obviously there were things that could have been done better, but it was not an ideal situation, neither is this. Um, and, you know, as far as learning happening, I mean, honestly, just speaking from my school is important for things besides academics. It's important for social and emotional development. And, you know, a lot of our vulnerable kids are getting services that they need through school. Those are all important. But I think it's just really important for all of us to have realistic standards for what kind of learning our kids are going to be doing in this next year because we just don't know <laughs> what, what what's what's going to happen um yeah so i i i just i just wanted to to say that that um you know i think the the our priority should be keeping our kids socially and emotionally mentally healthy over until this is under control because this is not a good learning environment at all. Um, and I don't think it's right to point the finger at teachers 
um, to say learning wasn't happening or learning wasn't happening well, because it really is not a situation under which learning can happen to, to, to a significant degree. Thank you very much, Tope. Member Van de Kloot? Yes, uh, I just want to thank Tope for saying that, you know, one of the things that I, that I know are that kids are resilient and that um, kids have gone through such incredibly circumstances in the world. And I trust that our kids will, um, you know, will come out of this period of time and they will learn and they will catch up. And when I hear someone say, my kid's going to be behind, I want to say, behind what? Um, behind a test that the Department of Education has set up. And, you know, those are fake measures. Um, kids are, kids are, are resilient. Um, we'll get through this and um, our kids will catch up. They're all in the same boat. Um, so, Mayor. Yes. Uh, at this point, I need to have some refinement from the committee on what date they choose. Uh, we've had some different opinions weigh in. I could say at the first uh, meeting of October. Uh, what, if, what if we just, on the every agenda, I'm sure we're going to have additional meetings. We, we have a section in there that's not only a COVID update, but a metrics review. And obviously, have make sure negotiations and are in a on each agenda as well. So we can always um, be reviewing the metrics and how our administration is doing along with the teachers union and negotiations. So I could, I don't know. I could write, the school committee will need to determine the feasibility of returning to the updated staggered hybrid in-person model um, as we continue to review the metrics or something. Member Graham? Yeah. Perhaps we can say no later than one month after the start of school. Um, I would like there to be, I would personally like there to be a point at which we are going to have a formal discussion about this where we are going to revisit, but um, there's nothing that says we can't talk about it before then. So maybe that's a way for us to um, have the flexibility to talk about it beforehand, but also make a commitment to the community that by one month after the start of school, um, we will revisit this and, and revisit, revisit our staggered hybrid and, and make a decision in some way, shape or form about what happens next. I'm good with that. Yes, I'm good with that. So with all of that, I'm a second. Member Vandegoot, can you just read number five one more last time? Number five. Number five was the administration will prioritize the difficult task of working out the details of student placement. So this really revolves about figuring out the cohorts. And I mean, I put this in because I think that this is the toughest work that needs to be done. And it really needs to be, for me, it needs to be the top priority. I mean, I know that there's information that still needs to be gotten, but I just wanted to articulate that, that um, what we need to do. Okay. 
All right, motion by Pleasure. member Van de Kloot, seconded, seconded by member Graham. On the motion, uh, Jenny Graham? Yes. Kathy Kretz? Yes. Uh, Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Mastone? Yes. Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderkloot? Yes. Mayor Lungo Curran? Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Mayor? Member Rousseau. Um, yes, I just wanted to, um, it's not on the agenda, and actually that's why I just wanted to say something quickly. There was an item in our packet that um, accidentally was missed from the agenda, so we will not be discussing it tonight. On the use of suspension as a disciplinary practice. Um, that will be on the agenda for our next meeting. And unfortunately, I don't know the date right now, but I just uh, wanted to apologize to anybody that came for that purpose. Um, but because of the, the, um, the uh, issue with the agenda, we can't discuss it tonight. So thank you for coming. Um, please come to the next meeting when we actually can discuss it. Oh, yep, hopefully a little earlier. Um, Member <laughs> McLaughlin. Um, yes, thank you, Mayor. And to that point, um, we tabled a um, discussion, I think it was last time, and we said we were going to put it on the agenda for this meeting, and we did not, um, and it's been brought to my attention. So it was the freshman sports. Um, so it's not on the agenda for tonight, so we also cannot discuss, but it needs to um, be clarified and be on the agenda, I guess, for the minimum uh, the next meeting. Dr. Quickman might be able to speak to that, but um, the MIAA uh it's not on the agenda though so maybe you okay. can give us a confident not a confidential an update communication on it um old business i don't believe there's any old business um communications um, new business we have number one Go to the order by Melanie McLaughlin, member McLaughlin. Is there a motion to table? Uh, uh, just for the comment. So essentially we voted that we would do this monthly and, and the idea was that we would sort of check in with um, the committee as a whole with our community um, and talk and uh, just check in on the good of the order and how we're doing um, as a committee of the whole. And so uh, I think that I would like to see this on as per our vote last time, I'd like to see this on our um, agenda regularly. I think there are things that are taking precedent, right? Precedence clearly right now that we do not uh, need to discuss this at this moment, but it is something that needs to be on the agenda at least monthly. And maybe it's easier for us to do it on the first uh, agenda of the month so that we're uh, more regular with it. But um, so I'd be okay with tabling it for the next meeting, but I would ask that it be on the first of the month uh, for every meeting moving forward um, as we voted. Motion to table, seconded by member Graham, roll call. Uh, Jenny Graham? Yes. Ma Kathy Kretz? Yes. Uh, Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Mastone? Yes. Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderkloot? Yes. Mayor Lungo Kern? Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. Papers tabled until the next meeting. Number two, stakeholder engagement offered by Member McLaughlin. Thank you. 
Um, I actually had a few community members on that wanted to discuss options for thinking outside the box for um, specifically for other locations for schools. They were not able to sustain the um, longevity of the meetings that we have now come accustomed to um, as the school committee, I think. Um, so they um, will, I'd like to, again, motion to table this for the next meeting. Um, we have some great community uh, folks who have some really good ideas about ways in which we can involve um, outside resources in our schools. And um, I think we should hear from them. Thank you. Motion to table by member McLaughlin, seconded by member Russo. Roll call. Uh, Graham? Yes. Kretsch? Yes. McLaughlin? Yes. Michonne? Yes. Russo? Yes. Vanderkloot? Yes. Lungo Kern? Yes. Seven in the affirmative, uh, zero in the negative. Paper is tabled. And number three, Medford hybrid plan and remote model start time offered by member Graham. So I think this actually came out of our meeting on the 6th, where we were going to hear from um, the administration about just a revisit of the start time of the various models. Now that we have locked in on remote, I'm going to make a motion to table this until our next meeting. Um, where I would like the administration to provide us a recommendation on the start time of the remote model at all the various um, learning levels. Second. Motion to table by member Graham, seconded by member Rousseau. Roll call. Graham? Yes. Kretsch? Yes. McLaughlin? Yes. Ms. Stone? Yes. Rousseau? Yes, yes seven affirmative, zero in the negative, papers tabled. Motion to extend school reopening communications task force subcommittee. Here we go. Whereas the school committee established a return to school task force, whereas the return to school task force has not officially disbanded, be resolved the return to school task force is dissolved with the exception of a re the return to school communication subcommittee, which shall be responsible for sharing information including minutes and notes from all return to school task force subcommittee and stakeholder feedback meetings. Be it resolved, the communications subcommittee will send a letter expressing the sincere appreciation of Medford Public Schools to all volunteers on the return to school task force. <laughs> Wait for this one. <laughs> Be it further resolved, community members may apply to participate in the return to school communications subcommittee by emailing T. Melochewski at medford.k12.mhewski at medford. information, there's an S missing. <laughs> I'll figure we'll, I'll add that, yeah, at the end. Okay. Members will be notified by August 25th of their acceptance to be part of the communication subcommittee. Subcommittee membership shall not exceed 10 individuals and two school committee members will, with equal representation from diverse members of our community, offered by member Melanie McLaughlin. Thank you for that mouthful, Mayor uh, Mungo Kern. Uh, I would actually just, so this was in, uh, obviously we did the remote task force. Um, we had several subcommittees and a steering committee. I wanted to ensure that we um, communicated uh, publicly and in, in writing to thank all of the people who donated um, their time and their made the commitment to the um, task force and offered really great ideas and input um, and that we extend the communication subcommittee, which I guess was um, extended for the survey 
um, anyway, but um, that we formally do that. Um, and then in addition to, I would like an amendment to this that uh, the communication subcommittee will uh, meet at least weekly to up update the community on advancements on the return to school plan. And that they'll also create at least four or three, two to four round tables between now and the commencement of school and two to four additional round tables uh, once remote instruction has begun. So I would like to amend the, that. And uh, for folks that in the reading of the motion, it was if you were interested in being part of the communication subcommittee um, that you would email um, Tom Miloszewski and the, there's a typo in his email, um, but you can reach out to any of us and get it if you like. Um, and it's, it's uh, T-M-I-L-A-S-C-H-E-W-S-K-I, I believe, at medford.k12.ma.us. So essentially, this motion is to thank everyone um, for all of their hard work on the, on the task force, the remote task force. I know that we still have the school um, based subcommittees that are happening on the task force. Um, but the larger task force, which was the steering committee, the building and grounds, the remote learning and the in-person learning um, slash hybrid um, have all not continued meeting, um, but the communications subcommittee has. And so I'd like to, if that's going to be the focus, I'd like to um, sort of round out what that actually looks like um, with some of the parameters here. Thank you, member McLaughlin. Member Vandekloot. So um, the only thing I'm unclear about is uh, there's already a communication subcommittee with membership, right? So we, uh, we're not really soliciting more members at this time because it's... Well, no, I think several of the subcommittee members did not decide to continue with the effort. So that's what I'm saying is that we actually recruit subcommittee members or we consider um you know uh putting the note out but uh, again that it's diverse so if i'm not mistaken i was not on the communication subcommittee so i'm asking uh folks who were uh the level of commitment after the reports were done i know that there was an informal agreement that folks would continue but i don't believe that all of the folks that were uh selected for the communication subcommittee did continue so but i could be mistaken so i'll defer to my colleague member rousseau then member graham Thank you. Um, I, I just, um, nothing to do with the content at all of the resolution. I'm just concerned about um, two to four more meetings and then another two to four more meetings. Um, I'm not sure who's supposed to do all that work. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about the rest of the school committee, but I'm working far more than my 40 hour job that I supposedly do once in a while just on school committee. So um, I, I, at this point, I'm ready to vote no against anything that suggests another meeting that we're supposed to be involved in. Um, just regardless for point of of yeah, point of clarification uh, through the chair, it's not all of the school committee that would be involved in this. This is to set up roundtables to ensure community participation in the next phase of the return to school plan, whether it's remote or um, or not or in person and to uh, create a core subcommittee um, for communication, some of which already exists, but there were several members that did not of the school committee that did not participate in the remote task force at all. So I don't think it's a requirement of any school committee members that they need to commit more time. Um, member Graham. So I was on the communication subcommittee and not everyone elected to continue. Um, 
So certainly, I think if there were people interested in um, joining us, I think that would be wonderful. Um, I am not, however, going to vote for any motion that is prescriptive about what that committee does or how they committee has done a really bang up job of figuring all of that out on their own. And I don't want to place requirement on them. Um, that may not be in the best interest of the work that they need to do. Um, point of, or point of information, I guess, or the chair, I guess I would say, um, we really appreciated the work of the communication subcommittee, but I'm, I, and I've heard from a lot of folks in the community that they felt like, um, communication can and should be improved. And I know that that's certainly been a position that many of my school committee members have held as well. So I would assume that that is what we want here is how are we improving and continuing to keep family and community engagement going. And I think a lot of folks, certainly from the task force, um, at least feedback that we had gotten felt like their, you know, input had not been considered. And I want to ensure that we're having that continued commitment to community and stakeholder engagement and people are feeling um, involved and um, that they have a say. So this group would make sure that they're creating these roundtables uh, for discussion and that there is um, some form of feedback that is being uh, instrumental and uh, taken uh, to the school committee uh, formally so that uh, they're being presented before votes are made or decisions are made without having a clear um, input from the community as some of the feedback that we've gotten recently. So really just about building relationships and making sure that we're continuing to build relationships, especially because I know folks, um, I think felt disappointed by some of uh, what had happened in the past couple of weeks. And again, no one's fault, it's just crazy time. So more communication is better. And I am inclined to agree with you, except the part where you're going to mandate what a group of people who are creative, innovative thinkers committed to this same topic are going to do to react to the situation. So it's the prescriptiveness that you're asking for in your amendment that I can't support. I support your original motion as written. Thank you. Through the chair, can, um, can we have some more description of what the prescriptiveness maybe that you're talking about so I can help understand that a little bit better? You're mandating a set of meetings. You're mandating roundtables. We've had a lot of discussion about what is working, what is effective, how we do those things. And, and you're dishing out an order to a group of people who are volunteers um, who are as committed to community engagement as we all are. And I would ask out of respect for the people who are gonna volunteer their time that we allow them to do this work in the best way that they see fit. Sure, I, I think there, again, through the chair, I think there must be some misunderstanding. I'm not mandating anything. I'm making some suggestions about what I'm understanding the community has been asking for. So I am completely open to what is helpful for the community. And I think that was just about the amendment. So maybe we can scratch the amendment. I think Dr. Edward Vincent and member Vandekloot wanted to comment and member Rousseau. Dr. Edward Vincent, did you have your hand up? Um, I had my hand up because um, I, I do feel that the work that took place um, and all of the people that were on the team um, 
very appreciative of the contributions that they gave. I, I feel like we have been responsive, but in this situation, sometimes, unfortunately, you feel like no good deed goes undone and um, uh, that you can't please everyone all of the time, but we are open to feedback, open to um, having the forums in, in StreamYards to take feedback and try to make an informed decision. I feel, um, you know, I'm just saying from a bandwidth capacity, we have been meeting today for five hours. I have been in Zooms since this morning nonstop. Um, even in today during negotiations, um, the request is to have three and four hour negotiation sessions. So I'm just saying from a, a bandwidth capacity, all the administrators that are back, um, fully back on um, at work. Um, today was a full day and it's it's 1020. We haven't gone through the entire agenda. By the time we're done, it's gonna be 11 o'clock. Um, if we're lucky, it might be midnight. And so I'm just saying from a capacity issue, I understand um, that we want to do more, 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 more. But once you get to five, six, seven, eight hours of just meetings on top of working a full day, you stop thinking um, clearly and coherently. And so you're just pushing yourself to get through to the next, um, you know, to the next uh, issue or, you know, the next agenda item on the table. So I, I just am saying that we, we do, we are going to run into a capacity issue. Member Rousseau, you know, shared that, you know, in addition to doing a regular full-time job and all of you that are in that same position, um, we, we have to figure it out. I really tried my best to keep the report short and small, but if we're at five, six, seven, eight hours, no matter um, how, you know, how I try to do it, I just feel from a capacity issue that there's going to be significant burnout. And so I, I know you have to take a vote on the motion and I know we have, you know, six subcommittees that are um, ready to, um, you know, gear back up and be up and running on top of our regular school committee meetings. So we potentially could be meeting eight times a month, if not more. And so I'm just asking everyone to really think about capacity because, um, you know, it's 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 a legitimate consideration that I'm asking of all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, point of information. I can totally appreciate that, Superintendent. I feel similarly. I am uh, have been yeah you know, donating a lot of volunteer time to the work that we're all doing as well. So I'm completely flexible with this. The intent of this motion and paragraph had in here um, we'll be sharing information including minutes and notes from our return to school task force subcommittee and stakeholder feedback meetings which i know has already been done i thought we were going to delete that information so that felt prescriptive to me so i just felt like if we were prescribing what they were doing we should be more explicit um in in ensuring that it was covered in here and wasn't in the motion and so that's not what we're going to do so I just really want whatever way we can ensure 
community engagement in this next step of our plan, which is, you know, uh, what we're voting on shortly, um, whether it be remote or the staggered hybrid that we are continuing to um, work with the communication subcommittee to ensure uh, um, transparency and communication around these issues. So however we want to do that, I'm okay. Um, with that, I'm also super tired and done after this long meeting as well. So I am completely open to that. So whatever folks think works in terms of making sure, again, my stake here is making sure that um, our stakeholders, uh, all of our stakeholders, diverse representation of our stakeholders feel uh, involved and engaged in this next step in our planning. So point of information. Point of information, Did member Graham. Did, didn't we already vote on going full remote? Yes. Okay, just checking. Thank you. I think sorry, you I, sorry, I am very tired. So I apologize if I made a mistake about whether we voted on going remote. So I had to really think about it. So that's why I wanted to be I sure. To, yeah, thank <laughs> I thought you meant next, next step, since we'll be voting again, I'm sure, in the next month or two. Um, we will be. And so what do you want to, how do we want to handle this? Do you want, to I'm fine with taking the addendum off the it, off the um, motion if that is what member Graham is suggesting is the issue I'm fine with that I just want to ensure that this involves some form of uh, what we've been doing in the past that has apparently worked well in terms of gathering information whether it's a roundtable or what have you but um, again you know the the communication subcommittee. Um, did some of that in the in the remote task force, but there was another in, in iteration of that before we even had the subcommittee, which was sort of part of why the subcommittee was created. So um, I'm fine with taking the amendment away if that's what folks want. Member Van de Kloot, then Member Rousseau. So just just to remind you, in the other motion that we um, that we just voted, we included a a, uh, a bullet about uh, stakeholder participation. So I think we've already cut it, got it covered quite honestly. Um, so I, I would suggest okay. vote on the uh, main motion right now. Okay. Vote on the okay. main motion without the amendment. Uh, Member Rousseau. Yeah, I, I'll be incredibly brief, but I just, just want to remind the public that we talk about the administration, like it's a, a tower of 150 people when it's, is it a dozen? Um, we have a hundred and something page document, the FAQ, which the feedback I keep getting is it's all questions and no answers. Well, that's right. We, we actually have to, takes time to create the answers. And, you know, so creating all those answers. And then on top of that, allegedly having time to create all the plans for all the options and figuring out where all the kids are going to go. Like there, if there were a hundred hours a day, we wouldn't even come close to being done. So um, that that's why I think it's best to uh, whatever the capacity ends up being for more meetings, and then we should let that just happen as it's going to happen. Because there is not a soul who's paid any attention that could believe that anybody isn't working around the clock already. So thank you. Can we, can we just read the motion again? I, I don't remember it, what it was. 
member crest you are. Do you want me to? Do you want me to read it, Mayor Longo Crest? No, you too. No, no. Let's see if I can do it. Ten thirty. I'll do my best. Whereas the school committee established a return to school task force, whereas the return to school task force is not officially disbanded, be resolved that the return to school task force is dissolved with the exception of the return to school communication subcommittee, which shall be responsible for sharing information, including minutes and notes from all return to school task force subcommittee and stakeholder feedback meetings. Be it resolved that the communication subcommittee will send a letter expressing the sincere appreciation of Medford Public Schools to all volunteers on the return to school task force. Be it further resolved, community members may apply to participate in the return to school communication subcommittee by emailing tmilachewski at medford.k12.ma.us. Members will be notified by August 25th of their acceptance to be part of the communication subcommittee. Subcommittee membership shall not exceed 10 individuals and two school committee members with equal representation from diverse members of our community. The end. On that motion, um, the second is, I'll second it. Okay. Um, Jenny Graham? Yes. Uh, Kathy Kratz? Yes. Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Mastone? Yes. Uh, Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderclute? Yes. Uh, Mayor? Yes, seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. Motion passes. Number five, whereas the Medford Public Schools is- Yeah, I'm willing to table this motion till the next meeting. Motion to table number five, seconded by member So, uh, Graham, Kretz? Yes. McLaughlin? Mistel? Yes. Rousseau? Yes. Vanderclute, yes. Lungo Kern? Yes. I think at the beginning of the meeting, you get your whole name called. By the end, just see- Initials. <laughs> you can just call me Buddy. I'm just going to clute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number six. Wait, Mayor, before we um, before we continue, I had another motion that didn't make it onto the agenda around scheduling, and I just want to point out that we don't have a meeting schedule from here on out, um, and it didn't make it onto the agenda, but it is about scheduling, so I don't know if we can talk about it or not, but we have a lot of work to do and I would love for us to stop having eight hour meetings. And I think the only way to do that is to meet more frequently so that we can meet for less time. Um, and I don't know if we can talk about that or not. So I'm happy for you to tell me to shut up so we can get to number six. We, we get to number six, but why don't we, um, I'm sure the superintendent will be asking for, or letting us know when we should meet again, which I'm assuming is Every other week, but maybe not as much as every week. So, Madam Superintendent, could you should the next few days on how we're going to schedule? Because I'm sure they may vary, and there may be a Thursday versus a Monday, depending on the negotiations and updates. Thank you. And, Ma and Mayor, can we have that um, motion that did not make it into the um, meeting tonight uh, moved for the next meeting? If Member Graham agrees because I am interested in um, that as well, just sort of giving some parameters for our meetings. Sure. Thank you. Yep. So I think I have to call that this table Melanie's motion. Motion, yeah, you, you, did you call it? You called it. 
No project. I, uh, yep, motion. Seven, seven to zero. zero. I know. Seven, the affirmative. Zero in the negative. Okay. Number five is tabled. Number six, be it resolved that the Medford School Committee may send a delegate and alternate delegate to the MASC Mass Annual Joint Conference for the purpose of voting during the delegate assembly on the resolutions of the MASC. The conference will not run as usual this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The delegate assembly has yet to be re rescheduled, but will still take place. Voting is presently only allowed in person, and thus it is recommended that only members that are able to and are planning to attend the conference be nominated. Are there nominations for delegates? Offered by member Rousseau. Member Rousseau, then member McLaughlin. Um, yes, um, each year we are allowed to send delegates. Um, I've been to the conference each year that uh, I've been on the school committee and um, I only even knew about the delegate assembly last year and uh, attended and um, realized we should be sending someone. So um, I put this on here. It needs to be done very soon so we can send this in. Um, and um, I obviously would appreciate a nomination if anybody's up for that because <laughs> I am attending whether when the actual delegate assembly happens and how it happens um, is still obviously up in the air because of the pandemic. Member McLaughlin, then member, I think I saw member Vandekloot's hand. We'll see. <laughs> member question, McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, I had a question about, I know you said they didn't schedule exactly, but I'm wondering if there's a ballpark of when it's scheduled and then also generally. Yes where it's held, I would be interested. And is there a limit um, for the number of delegates? Thank you. Um, so we, you're, we're allowed one delegate and one alternate delegate. Um, and um, it is a, <laughs> the date is always just like a couple days before, or is it after the November election? Um, and uh, uh, very briefly, the history of that is because the majority of communities in Massachusetts don't actually elect their school committee members then. But for those of us that are elected at that moment in time, it's very weird to schedule yourself to be at a conference, you know, two days after you get elected. Because if you don't get elected, you've then paid for a hotel room. It's kind of a very weird thing. But um, it's it's the first week of November. Um, is the answer to the question. And where is it generally held? Is it? It's um, Hyannis, I believe, right, Paulette? Yes. Thank you. Member Vandekloot. So I nominate Paul Rousseau as the delegate with Mel Melanie McLaughlin as the alternate delegate. Um, I've been able to go many years. It's interesting. If either of them can't go, I'd, I'd go, but um, I want to give someone else a chance to go. So um, point of information. Point of information, Member Rousseau? Yes, uh, being a delegate is unrelated to being able to go, though. I mean, we could all go, but yes. it's, well, just, just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, the, you only have one voting member at a time, but Melanie Correct. could Melanie could sit into the deliberations, but all six of us can. Um, motion by Member Vandekloot, seconded by Member Graham. Roll call. Um, Graham? Yes. Pritt? Yes. McLaughlin? Yes. Mistone? Yes. Russo? Yes. Vanderclute? Yes. Lungo Kern? Yes. Seven, the affirmative, zero, and the negative. The motion passes. Congratulations. Um, next up, we have 
resolution be it resolved that the Medford School Committee express its sincere condolences to the family of Colonel Joseph Mercury of the National Army National Guard. He is the brother of recently retired Assistant Superintendent Diane Caldwell. Be it resolved that the Medford School Committee express its sincere condolences to the family of Lisa Ionelli, a special education coordinator for Medford High School. Ms. Ionelli began in and would serve as an evaluator team leader. Later, she earned her CAGS in school administration and became a special education coordinator in 2015. Also be it resolved that the Medford School Committee expressed its sincere condolences to the family of Richard Loud. Mr. Loud is the father-in-law of Amy Detterding, a teacher at the McGlynn School. My apologies if I mispronounced that. And Mayor? We have a few more, yep. Yeah, I had yeah. one to add as well. Yes, I have one, two, three, four, five more, and then I'll call okay. them, thank you. Be it resolved, the Medford School Committee expressed its sincere condolences to the family of Elaine Honeycutt. Ms. Honeycutt is the mother of Bill Honeycutt, owner of John Brewer's Tavern, a longtime supporter of the Medford Public Schools. Also, be it resolved, the Medford School Committee expressed its sincere condolences to the family of Dom Pino. Mr. Pino served as the Mustang Football and Mustang Hall of Fame photographer. Be it resolved, the Medford School Committee expressed its sincere condolences to the family of Suffolk University Police Sergeant John um, Privety. Sergeant Privety is the son of retired assistant, administrative assistant Marlene Privety English. Be it resolved, the Medford School Committee expressed its sincere condolences to the family of John Kempe. John is the husband of retired administrative assistant Lee Kempe. Be it resolved, the Medford School Committee expressed its sincere condolences to the family of Josephine Henderson. Josephine is the grandmother of Angela Sasso, administrative assistant at the Roberts Elementary School. And before we take a moment of silence, um, Member Vandekloot. Yes, um, we sadly, we only learned this morning that uh, Betsy Burns, uh, a longtime teacher of, at the Medford Public Schools, has uh, been with us for 25 years, passed away of cancer this morning. She was a special education teacher, and her nephew continues to um, work for us. So. Uh, May we send, uh, be it resolved that our, um, the school committee send its uh, thoughts to the family of Betsy Burns. Yes, thank you. If we may take a moment of silence. Thank you. I believe we've, that's the end of our agenda. And if there's a motion, thank you everybody for hanging with us. 223 people standing strong. Motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn by member Rousseau. Second. Seconded by member McLaughlin. Roll call. Uh, Graham. Yes. Kretz. Yes. McLaughlin. Yes. Ms. Stone. Yes. Rousseau. Yes. Vanderkloot. Yes. Mayor Lungo Kern. Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. Meeting is adjourned. Everybody have a good night. Thank you. Thank you.